0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Starting to learn more about value
1: stocks rather than gross stocks. You guys are saving me a lot of money.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
1: All right. Well, you're looking at historical blue chip names, and they've endured. Their brands have endured.
0: Invest Talk, over 42 million downloads and counting. Across America and around the world, your participation makes it
2: unique. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures,
1: Financial advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, June 29th, 2022 edition. I'm Justin Klein. I look forward to doing this podcast for you during this hour, hearing your finance and investment questions, and giving you my straight, unbiased answers. No hidden agenda. I'm just here to give you the facts as I see them and some perspective. Of living through multiple cycles, both of markets, liquidity, economic cycles, etc. And all of that is important at any given time to understand there are highs, there are lows, and just like in any walk of life, you don't want to get too emotional. It's usually not as good when the good times are, are, are happening, and it's usually not as bad as you feel when the bad times are happening. So the idea is to keep you on the right path, try to ignore the noise and give you the tools to make good financial decisions. Now, today's investing situation is different than we see over the past few decades, higher inflation and a different set of risks. So we need to focus on the economic data coming in, the evolution of the economy both cyclically, cyclically is you know, going into recession, growth, etc. but secularly, what are the longer term trends that uh, endure through good times and bad? So we're going to talk about all of that here on today's show. And my goal is to help you understand this environment, both short, medium, and long-term to avoid the pitfalls that so many people fall prey to chasing returns, investing in what their cousin, uh, you know, made money in, uh, fraud, um, chasing after too good to be true type of situations, etc. There's a lot of pitfalls, and I want to make sure that you understand all the risks and rewards of all the type of investments that are out there so you can make the right decision for yourself. So I invite your phone calls and questions now at our anytime listener line, live 4 to 5 Pacific time or after hours, you can leave a message and we will answer it on a future show. Either way, the number never changes. It's still 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve or Justin. Um, quick question in regards to the real estate
3: sector. Just looking at a couple stocks that own small positions in both and was looking to add to one of them, thinking is that more millennials are entering that time when they're going to be buying that first house, and if they have not already, obviously. So I was looking into some home builders, was looking at, L E N Lenar Homes and D H I D R Hortons, and was just seeing which one you thought was better. Appreciate
1: it. All right, D R Horton and Lenar, two of the larger home builders that are out there. Market cap on D H uh, I, excuse me, D R Horton is about 23 billion, <clears throat> Lenar about 20 billion. So very similar in size like the whole housing industry right now, trading at very low multiples because the market is pricing in uh, a weakening housing market and the housing market is certainly going to weaken nationwide with rates kind of where they're at and if they stay at these levels for an extended period of time. And that's kind of what the market's pricing in. And so the bet here is that the market has overpriced in weakness where Lennar is expected to make $16 a share this year. $15 $15 a share next year, which at a $70 stock price, that's a pretty cheap multiple. So I think if they follow through on that and can maintain kind of low to mid teens in earnings, uh, they're, they're pretty cheap. And this applies to once again, most of the home builders are out there. And then you're, you're looking at Lennar and DR Horton. And then the question would be, what type of what type of exposure do they have? How broad based are is there is their business? And let's take a look at that. Dr. Horton is in 31 states, 98 different markets, so well diversified. It offers entry level, move up, luxury buyers, and active adults. So very diverse type of homes that they're that they're producing. Uh, I think the low end is going to be more stable than the high end, and so I like to start uh, to invest in companies that are more in the first time move up buyer. And that's Lennar. Lennar is operating in that first time move up and active adult home buying uh, sectors, not really a whole lot on the luxury side. So if I'm looking at the companies that are uh, that are less exposed to that high end, DR Horton is going to be a little bit more exposed. Um, Now it's still diverse, but Lennar is the second largest public home builder in the US. Okay, and is DR number one? Yeah, it's 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 the top one. So you're talking looking at number one and number two, both well diversified. DR Horton's headquarters are in in Texas. Uh, Yeah, so if I'm going with one, I'm probably going with Lennar in this market. But both are very solid, very good home builders. Uh, They're in our top five uh, of the ones that we're investing in for clients. Uh, We're we're not actually actively investing in these these two, Um, but. There's a couple ahead that we do have some positions in down at these levels. So uh, I like them both, but if I'm picking one or the other. I'm going to pick Lenar. Now, my focus point today is based on this headline. Investors in their 20s, 30s, and 40s might want to embrace a down market survival guide. So we're going to try to refocus on the fundamentals of uh, savings, asset allocation, and simplifying your financial life to make good decisions, and then looking at safety nets, as well as investing in the things that are going to get you to the next, to this other side of this recession in better shape, not just financially, but physically, emotionally, as well as skill-wise, because ultimately the skills that you can provide to the world are going to drive your success in life, whether that's financially, personally, etc. And so we're going to look at all of those things. Also, I want to look at the job offers that are being rescinded across uh, the economy and where they focus and then what CEOs are saying when it comes to the their expectation for a recession. And then lastly, uh, we're going to touch on European factories and what they're how they're reacting to the high price of natural gas over in Europe and what that means for their economies. So those are things that are on my mind. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. So give me a call 888 chart 8899 4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let's take a look at the market. We had the NYSE that was down 67 points, about a half a percent on the day. So modest down day there. The S&P itself, that was only down three points. So uh, kind of a flattish day there. The Russell, that had the biggest drop down about 1% on the week, or sorry, on the day. And so what you see here is Friday, we had that big surge. We had a pause day at resistance on Monday. And over the last two days, a bit of a pullback. We still haven't broken any major support. I'm looking at the bottom of the candle uh, from Friday, and we're still well away from that from the NYSE. So I I do think you're going to get a a, a bear market rally, it's not going to be I think as robust as most people would like, but I do think you're gonna get uh, kind of a slow and steady grind higher in the near term, we hit major support. So at the very least, you know, we get some sideways action is is, is, uh, is my read on it in the near term. Uh, but what's interesting is that the bond market is starting to price in a Fed pivot, rates are coming down, the short term rates are coming down The 10 year. that was uh, down 11 basis points today. And it was the second lowest close over the past couple of weeks down to 3.09. And the Euro dollar market is now pricing in the Fed cutting rates. Yes, you heard it. The Fed cutting rates in Q1 2023. That's only six or seven months away, right? So the, the, the bond market is typically right. And they tend to front run what is happening in the economy. Bond investors, smarter than the Fed. Just say that straight out. The Fed is typically looking at coincidental as well as lagging indicators of inflation, employment, et cetera. Those things don't matter a whole lot uh, to the future of the economy, right? There's a lot of other leading indicators, housing starts, um, uh, all, all the things that, that uh, you know, consumer confidence, et cetera. All the things that uh, lead to different economic outcomes in the future. Those are far more important. The bond market pays attention to those. The Fed, they're not very good at getting ahead of the economic cycle, clearly talking about, you know, the inflation's transitory, et cetera. Just year after year, decade after decade, they tend to be very slow, reactive, and they don't get in front of it. But the bond market almost always is right. And so what this is telling me is, hey, the Fed rhetoric of 50, 75 basis point increases that's going to slow very quick, because the economic data that's going to come in over the next month or two is going to show higher unemployment, weaker jobs market, weaker economy, and most importantly, slower inflation, which would give the ammunition to the Fed that hey, we don't need to be as aggressive, maybe still on a tightening path, they said that they're going to speak about, but not at that pace. And so that's what I'm expecting to drive a relief rally in the markets. Now we're moving back into a break, but I'm here now taking your calls live. This way to go. Uh, that uh, this is the way to go because we can interact with you live. So call now. This is Invest Talk. Eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better?
3: Which of these would you recommend?
0: Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to
3: go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here?
0: And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose. Of investing satisfaction.
3: I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been
1: listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot.
0: Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want.
1: I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on find better ways to use that money i'm
3: going with the odds i think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it
0: don't forget to call invest talk 888-99-CHART
3: one of the most rewarding things i do each weekday is host the invest talk podcast i truly enjoy helping investors and I know that every question counts, and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each InvestTalk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Uh,
0: yeah, Steve, uh, I'd like to know about the
2: individual
0: bonds. I know that individual uh, bonds is rated from AAA to B. All of them is investment grade. But my question is that uh, if you're going to uh, like choose it, triple uh, B, what kind of research do you do it? Because I never uh, bought a individual bond. If you can give me highlights how to
1: buy individual bond, I appreciate. Thank you very much. My name is Art. All right. Thanks for the question, Art. And we do buy individual bonds for our clients, our stable income Portfolio, which is all bonds, and then our balance income, which has uh, roughly 40, 45 percent uh, allocation to bonds, and we like those better than bond funds. You can hold them to maturity, you can control the credits that you're you're, you're buying, etc. And uh, typically, you're going to get better yields than uh, bond funds. Now, institutions, luckily. We can aggregate our bond purchases with other large institutions and we get typically better prices than most individuals are going to get on bonds. But you can still get yourself uh, good, good yields uh, and uh, better yields than you're going to get for, for most bond funds and lower risk. Uh, if you diversify and you do your research and like you said, what do you look for? And what we do is we look at the quality of the equity because ultimately that's what's the most important, right? Is, is this company gonna go bankrupt? And if the equity is gonna go down and could go bankrupt, well, that means the bond is suddenly in peril and into default. Uh, So it's really looking at the company that is linked to that bond, right? That has issued that bond and how stable is their business? What is their total amount of debt compared to their, their capital, to their assets, to their cash flows? Uh, what's their interest coverage ratio, et cetera. So there's a lot of metrics to, to follow and, and uh, but ultimately it comes down to what is the strength of this business? Is it getting, is it well managed? Is it, uh, is it good leadership? Does, do its products and services, uh, are they in decline in the market? Meaning are others taking market share from them? for various reasons, either because of price or quality. you know How well is this company run and where does it sit within industry and does it have longevity through cycles? And those are the things that you utilize and that equity analysis to overlay your purchase on a, on, on the underlying bonds. So hope that helps. Now we're heading to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
1: My focus point today is based on this headline. Investors in their 20s, 30s, and 40s might want to embrace a down market survival guide. Now, when you have many years into retirement, market volatility should be easy to shrug off, but it often is not. And that's because investors are likely invested too aggressively, even though you're young. And the rule of thumb is you invest more aggressively when you're young. But unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't align with your personality. Okay. And it's important to look at history and help understand where we are in context. For example, 2000 2002 timeframe, the SMP fell 23%. The NASDAQ fell 70%. So it can be very important to what you're investing in what you continue to hold uh, during those that time period. And as we went out of that time out of that recession, the techier stocks continue to lag until 2007. Okay. And that's when they really broke out in relation to value stocks. But these periods of market volatility often are healthy and may not feel like it in that time, but they're healthy for markets to weed out the excess, allow those companies that aren't truly creating value to kind of go under or just fade into, uh, the background. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, I, th- I think of, uh, companies like, um, like Groupon, for example, That was popular around uh, 2006, 2007. Uh, and then kind of, you know, it's a micro cap stock. Uh, and oftentimes that's healthy. Once again, is for pr- companies to be priced at the right level. Uh, and that's what we're seeing right now. But when you're investing in rough markets, In your earlier years, you have many years until retirement into the future and market volatility shouldn't evoke emotions because you have enough time for it to recover, but that doesn't, once again, always align with your risk capacity, okay? So your risk capacity may be high, but your risk tolerance level may be lower and vice versa. Same thing happens when in retirement where you're... Tolerance is high. People over long periods of time, they've, they've seen through cycles and, and they're comfortable with risk. But hey, you're in your 60s, you're in your 70s. You really shouldn't be taking that much risk, risking all of your capital uh, and your livelihood when you can't go back to work, for example. So it's often very flipped. So you have to be honest with yourself and know what type of risk you can take to tune out the market volatility, okay? And focus on things that you do have control over. Like spending, saving, your allocation, overall allocation, and whether you have a good cash cushion. So, the things that you should do number one is hone in on that savings rate. Now, when things are good, there can be lifestyle creep. You know, you go out to eat a little bit more. You buy a little more expensive car. Maybe you're, uh, you bought that house that was a little more expensive than you, you you should have. And then suddenly, rough times hit, and now it's like, well, do can I really afford these things? So really simplifying your life and refocusing on your savings goals. And that can get that can help you, right? Start with that end goal, and then look at your budget and try to trim things back so that you can create automatic contributions, continue to make automatic contributions, which are even more important when the market's down, because you're going to be getting that money invested at a cheaper price for your your investments, right? Think of uh, your investments in your 401k, and maybe making automatic contributions to your Investment, other investment accounts is important as well IRA, 529 plans, brokerage accounts, etc. Now, number two, review your long term asset allocation. Uh, are you taking too much risk in stocks? These are times when times are good. People oftentimes think they have a higher risk tolerance level than they do. And when things are, are going down, if that's worrying you more than exciting you, well, then you're probably taking too much risk, right? People who truly have high risk tolerance levels in times like this, they get excited. They say, How do I get more money to work at these lower prices? If you are seeing your portfolio and it's going down to a level that's making you queasy and uncomfortable, maybe you should have too much exposure to equities. Okay. And even if you're in your in in your 20s, 30s, 40s, once again, maybe moderately invested is the way to go. The average moderate allocation based on lifestyle funds targeted funds is about 70 percent equities okay so maybe you should be more moderate maybe instead of 100 equities, 70 percent is more aligned with your risk tolerance level okay and then if your earnings tend to be more volatile well then your investments should probably be a little more conservative and vice versa if you're if your income is steady, consistent, then you can take a little bit more risk than you probably would otherwise. Number three is streamline your investment choices, meaning consolidate your accounts. Uh, Consolidate IRAs, Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, roll over that 401k into IRAs, uh, consolidate your, your taxable brokerage accounts, et cetera, and look at the duplicates and try to trim the fat and stay focused. And this is a good time uh, for that. And look at your safety net. Once again, uh, insurance coverage, make sure you have enough that will uh, prevent any extreme uh, hardship. So that depends on your savings level and and your your asset level. But make sure you have homeowner's insurance, health insurance, uh, life insurance, if you have dependents, minors, for example, uh, or a spouse. Uh, And then lastly, invest in yourself, get more educated. We're heading into a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like, the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy, and where would you want to use it? Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. This is Invest Talk, and we are all
0: watching the markets go up, then down. So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Steve Peasley is here taking your questions live. Call 888-99-CHART.
3: Bought Amazon at 128. It's been um, impaired by the crash, so it's bouncing from 106 to 109. Should I sell? Should I wait? What is that a good investment a year from now? Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.
1: Well, you're looking at large cap tech, large cap growth. And these are companies that trade at uh, high multiples, 52 times earnings on Amazon. So let's make $2.65 next year revenue growth was 7% last quarter, earnings were negative last quarter. Technicals are very poor relative strength only 22. So I think this goes lower. I think it's pretty clear. And then you have regulatory issues. uh, In the backdrop, you have uh, spiraling inflation costs for things like shipping, which they've kind of tied their business model to right prime shipping. So yeah, I wouldn't own this. I would sell it and move on, take your losses. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question. We have about 25 minutes left in the show. Now let's touch on the trends in the job market. And what's interesting now is companies like Twitter, Redfin, Coinbase, they're all rescinding offers for jobs in the past few weeks and Uh, Employers in other pockets of the economy are starting to do the same. Insurance, retail, marketing, consulting, and especially recruiting services. And then you have layoffs happening from companies like Netflix, Peloton, Carvana. Anything that has negative cash flow, like a Carvana, Peloton, and Netflix, they are tightening up their belts because it's not as easy to raise capital via the bond market or the equity market. And they're seeing the trends in the economy. I think Netflix last quarter, they had net loss of subscribers. Uh, Facebook parent meta platforms and Uber warned they will be dialing back their hiring plans. So it's very focused in the tech space. And especially if you're a startup and a, I call it a Ponzi stock, right? Where any company who's been in existence over the past number of years, and hasn't produced a profit, has only been in business to sell shares. And there's a lot of those out there in the marketplace today. And these signs of caution in hiring are showing that executives are unsure of what's what's going to happen over the next 12 months. And even some recruiters caution that there's been a large wave of job offers canceled. And this is, once again, a coincidental indicator should have, we should have known this, you should see this with the cost of capital talked about bear markets on uh, on Monday, and what drives bear markets, it's higher costs of inputs to your business. So to high a cost for labor to high a cost for uh, commodities, uh, etc, but also higher cost of capital. And that's feeding through to this as well. Because if you're not paying for these employees with actual cash flow from your business, then this is something that uh, is is, it's 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 not you can't afford it. And you rather rescind job offers than go out there and raise capital because you can't raise capital. Okay. And what's happening here is there is is let's see hiring managers um, are still showing however, that there's a lot of competition for jobs. And there aren't enough people to fill the jobs. So what you're seeing, and this is broad based. So what you're seeing is that it's more pockets of the economy that are feeling the 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 pinch of the higher cost of capital of inflation. And it's mainly tech focused. And a Gartner survey of more than 350 HR executives This is at the end of May. So, you know, this is about a month old now. But they only said 50% thought the competition for talent would increase over the next six months. And nearly two thirds said they hadn't made any changes to their hiring practices or HR budgets due to what's going on in the economy. So, only about a third are making that adjustment. Two thirds still are not, which means it's probably a weaker a weaker uh, jobs market going forward. Once again, we're not going back to 10% unemployment, unless the Fed just wants to run the economy right off the cliff, which I don't think they want to do. They don't want to clean up that mess like an 08. Uh, but a slowdown is, is likely. And once again, if you're a startup, you're in the ad tech industry, pre IPO, those are going to be less stable and more apt to lay off workers and rescind job offers. Now, when people can take the time to leave in a Best Talk podcast review on iTunes. We'd like to thank them for the courtesy of getting to their question quickly. Said, I bought, uh, Miss Gandhi said, I bought Playboy in the 20s. Now it's trading at 10. Below 10, should I cut my losses or hold? Well, it depends on your long term uh, view of the company. Our long term view is, th- I mean, they're they're just powering forward, uh, doing very, very well with their growth initiatives. And the market just doesn't want to pay attention to the fact that they're going to earn 50 cents a share next year. Next year and it's a six, You know, under $7 stock. You're talking mid teen when it's growing 60, 70% revenue growth, uh, earnings growth 171% year over year. Just trading at just absurdly low prices. They're repurchasing $50 million in stock, and it's a $300 million uh, market cap. So uh, I still think it's an absolute steal down here. Now, Steve and I are thankful for your podcast support and our free downloads will always continue, but I wanna make you aware of two other ways to find our material and unbiased guidance. One is our YouTube channel and our Instagram following as well. Just head over there and search Invest Talk. Remember, use two Ts. Now, the Talk phone lines are open, so give me a call now at 888-99-CHART.
3: Hi, Steve and Justin. Good day to you both. Love the show, a longtime listener here from Minnesota. I have two stocks that I'm in question of. KR Kroger and um, BX Blackstone, they haven't done much for me at all this year or even last year. They do pay dividends, however, but I haven't had good dividend. I don't know if their dividends are really that great, and I haven't had any growth. I'm considering dropping both of them, and I'm considering moving them into either the stocks ORI or BX. Was it BKE, the buckle, or even Oxy, Occidental? Now I see that Buffett has picked that one up. What would you think about making a move like this? I think all of those stocks I mentioned do have good dividend payments and do also have growth potential. I think you guys also like a few of those stocks in your portfolios, don't you? Would this be a positive move in my portfolio? Thank you. Look forward to hearing your answer on the show.
1: All right, well, let's address the first two, Blackstone or Kroger. Uh, the first one I would definitely trim is Blackstone over Kroger. Uh, their business tends to be a lot more volatile, they have a lot more leverage in their balance sheet. It's uh, in the asset management space, and oftentimes uh, it's, it has exposure uh, to uh, hedge funds, private equity funds, and uh, you know they lend there, they, they invest there. Uh, and that's something that that's something that I don't want to be have exposure to right now. So KR, though, that's I still think I like grocers overall. There's a trend towards uh, more eating at home, uh, with more people working from home as opposed to uh, eating, you know working in office and eating out. Uh, and it's just a consumer staple. So uh, it's not my favorite grocer out there, but if I'm picking one or the other, Blackstone or Kroger. I'm definitely trimming Blackstone Kroger, kind of on the fence. Uh, The other three purchases, we own Buckle, BKE, so we like that one. Uh, Which one to buy, though? Uh, I think all are good. Uh, One is Old Republic, which is in the insurance business. Uh, Oxy, which is obviously an oil company. All three different, Buckle is a retailer. All three, I think, are fine choices but I have to look at the rest of your portfolio. I don't know what exposure you have. Do you have a lot of insurers? Do you have a lot of energy companies? Do you have, uh, how much exposure do you have to the retail space, etc.? cetera? So I can't tell you which one to go buy because I need to look at the portfolio as a whole, okay? So I hope that helps you try to think about what to trim, what to potentially buy, but you need to make that decision for yourself. All three are solid, uh, but once again, it's about more of asset allocation broadly than just those particular names. Now let's swing back to the Best Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at eight 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 ninety nine. Chart.
3: Hey guys, Adam again from Texas. I was calling to see what you thought about Cloudflare. The ticker symbol is N E T. November Echo Tango, and I'm looking to short it. I was just curious to see what you thought. Thanks.
1: The simple answer is yes, I would short it. Now, these are the type of names that can get pretty pretty quick, sudden, and aggressive rallies in bear markets. So be aware of that. I'd rather short it into some sort of resistance level. Uh, you kind of got that recently in a little pullback. Um, so I would look for maybe around 80. Now it's trading, trading at 45. Um, but just understand that. I do think it goes lower. It's trading at 20 times sales. This is one of those names that was absolutely egregiously overvalued. It was trading at 111 times, sorry, 113 times sales. I hope you internalize this. Any company that's trading more than 20 times sales is almost assuredly overvalued almost guarantee go look at the history of companies that traded those multiples long term, they're almost never very, very rarely is one or two that's ever traded that and I'll be able to grow into that valuation. 113 times, there's never been a company I don't think there's a it's probably never been a company that's been able to grow into that level of valuation. So net net Cloudflare will never get back to those, uh, those levels. Um, but it's still trading at 19 times. So and it's in a downtrend. And clearly, like I said, growth over value, uh, sorry, value over growth. And this is clearly a growth stock with multiples coming down. So I think this is a great short candidate. Be careful, there could be a quick rally could double, you know, and still be uh, in a downtrend. Uh, And that's what happens a lot a lot of times with these, uh, these tech names as they kind of fade into oblivion and and multiples get contracted. Uh, But I do think it is a great short candidate. Thanks for the call. Now, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, located in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County, Southern California. And both on InvestTalk and at KPP, we provide both unbiased guidance and parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So, I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting, or send us a message through investtalk.com or call our office at 800 557 5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Once again, 888 99 chart. That's how you get through and ask your question today.
0: Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice.
3: When do I know the right time to take profits?
0: And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction.
3: I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot.
0: So don't forget to call InvestTalk.
3: 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Colin in Denver, Longtime listener. Love the show. Thank you very much. Wondering what you guys think about CoTERA Energy. That's C T R A. I have a long position that I've held for a while. I'm up quite a bit. But of course, it's come down a bit lately. What was the news on oil prices and everything like that? Just wondering what you guys think about it in the short and long term. Thank you very much. I'll listen for the answer on the podcast.
1: All right, this is Cotera. It's an independent EMP company, operations in Appalachia as well as the Permian Basin. This was a merger between Cabot, remember Cabot Oil and Gas, and Cimarex. And about 70%, it looks like, of their exposure is natural gas. So I like that. And the natural gas space has had a bit of a a pretty strong pullback as of late as natural gas was in the nines and now it has a six handle. So a pretty strong pullback, but six is still near multi-year highs. Uh, So I think this is more of just a a near-term pullback. Uh, So I wouldn't be too aggressively selling it. Katera is a consistent company when it comes to revenues and cash flow, trades at only 11 times forward earnings. So I think it's uh, pretty cheap, nice 7.7% yield. So I have I have no problem with Kotira, uh, but a lot of it, another question is your overall asset allocation. And that's what's difficult when people call in, and I wanna really drive this home, is that we'll talk about particular names We had that previous caller, ask about five different names on one call, which ones you should sell, which ones you should buy, you always want to take a step back, always start high level. When I do portfolio reviews for listeners and current clients, I want to see the entire holdings. Look at the big picture. What type of risk factor is this? Is there a risk number? We use risk wise as risk number to, to, to target that. And then we dig into the sectors. Okay. What is the sector allocation? Are you leaning growth? Are you leaning value? Are you overweight energy, underweight energy? Are you overweight tech? Are you underweight tech, et cetera? And that's how you want to start thinking about it. Start high level and then drilling down one layer at a time until you get to that specific stock selection. So we talk a lot about particular stocks here, and I want to bring you back to the big picture and make sure you're focused on that as well so that you're not just caught up in the minutia of individual stock names. This is the Best Stock, I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom and our work continues after this final break. So, get your questions in now at 888 99 Chart.
0: No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So, don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888
3: 99 Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is Carol. I'm from Sunnyvale, California. I have a question about the energy sector. Today is Thursday, 6.23. And even though the oil prices are not really coming down yet, the energy sector, especially I'm looking at CVX, the Chevron, they have been down lately in the last few days. And so wanted to get your opinion on why is that and is this a good time to get in on either of the companies. Uh, thanks for the podcast i've been a long-time listener over uh, six seven years now and thanks for everything you do Bye bye
1: all right looking at cvx and what's interesting here is a lot of people are wondering they're saying oh well oil prices haven't come down a lot and i don't know what you guys are look where you're trying to get that but oil prices have moved from 130 to back to around $100 per barrel so oil prices have come down uh, as long as well as uh, as well as natural gas prices so there has been a pullback in that space and the equities have followed suit Now Chevron's come back down, uh, but a lot of the the equities have, and that is natural. I think uh, there was a lot of bullishness in the space, and maybe it's overcrowded and shaking out the weak hands, and that uh, that's not uncommon. Um, So Chevron is still fine; it's well diversified. Uh, When there are big sell-offs in the market, oftentimes correlations go to one, and I think that's what uh, uh, you're also seeing that as well, where this broad-based selling. Uh, f- funds have to delever, and they delever whatever they have in order to, uh, you know, get the cash to meet margin calls. And oftentimes that comes from things that are overweight in their portfolio. And when you have oil names go up as much as you have over the past year and a half, many of those positions are are the overweight positions, and uh, selling comes in. So. Don't be shocked to see these pullbacks. It is a volatile space. That's why you have to understand the risk that you're taking. You could have a long-term positive view of a particular sector or an asset class, but if the you have to understand the volatility that you should expect from that particular asset class. Look at Bitcoin, for example. You may have a very bullish view of Bitcoin in the long term, but you have to also know that it could fall 80 90% in six months, very easily done that multiple times uh, in its history. And you could have but you have to be willing and able to handle that level of volatility. Same with the oil companies, they are a more volatile sector than average within the, within the market. So you need to be willing and able to handle that volatility. Okay. So Chevron, I have no problem with it. I think it's fine. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's touch on what CEOs and executives are saying about the economy as a whole. 60% of CEOs expect a recession in their particular geographic region in the next 12 to 18 months. That's according to a survey by the conference board of 750 different CEOs. Now, as of late last year, only 22% thought the same thing. But that was also down from 39% from a year earlier. So, These ebbs and flows. And this survey was collected in May. So we've had a significant rate hike from the Fed since then, 75 basis points. But obviously, they're pointing to things like the the war in Ukraine, lockdowns in China, rising interest rates, and an uncertainty about their outlook. That's what's driving it. And higher energy prices are most concerning. Why? Because that increases transportation costs and feeds through to the expense of their, of their goods. Now, it's a mixed bag, though. 60%, that's the majority, but that's not an overwhelming majority. For example, heating and air conditioning manufacturer Johnson Control, they see continued robust demand for their products, kind of bread and butter products, and said the industry still looks healthy. Uh, and there's a there's a gap between what ceos are saying and what consumers are actually doing because consumers are still spending pretty nicely now what you're also seeing which is interesting is a lot of quitting six out of 668 ceos they left their roles from january through may that's up 24 percent from the same period of 2021 and the highest total in 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 that five-month period since they began tracking it in 2002 so uh CEOs are, are certainly bearish on the economy, but the question is, and this is coming from the C- CFO of Grief, which is a pa- industrial packaging company, he's saying he's afraid that people are going to talk us into a recession, and I think that's certainly a possibility as well as just people in general, um, for various reasons, understandably, are cautious and uh, could just simply drive us into recession because of that. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which now have exceeded 42.8 million thanks to you. So get your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And your positive ratings raise our profile and help spread the word. So thank you for that. Independent thinking showed success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial
2: InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.